Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, your irregular dispatch from the dystopian reality that is the year 2020. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Got my co-host, John Stefanczyk here. Stefanczyk, haven't said it in so long, John. Got to get back in the flow. I kind of wanted to muscle memory a little bit there with the intro, but I mean, what, it's been about 10 months since we did the show. Is that right? Feels like it. May 19th, I was looking at it. Oh, you were married the real date make us make weeks. us feel bad yeah that was yeah just got married a couple weeks before that yeah how's married life going everything's still good it's great yeah absolutely we uh moved into a new apartment that you're seeing in my uh my camera right now on zoom yep. uh beautiful place i was actually just a couple of weeks ago we moved so been enjoying that and uh yeah just I'm working from home. Angie, obviously, as a doctor, is still going into the hospital. So, uh, you know, it's not like some couples right now where I feel like they're both working from home and trying to uh, deal with that. We don't, we don't have to worry about that. So that's nice. But uh, yeah, it's great. It's great, man. I mean, you know, wish, wish there was more to do right now. I think everybody listening to this can probably relate to the fact that we're all just kind of homebound watching NBA games in the bubble, watching the Astros be god-awful. There's not much else going on. Yeah, watching the Astros uh, be held accountable as much as MLB will let them be held accountable. I mean, if that's, if that's what you want to call it, just having a terrible offense and, and, a, and a pitching rotation that is injured. No trash games to bang, so how are they going to hit this year? <sighs> yeah, yeah, whatever you say. You, you went there with the Strohs. Well, yeah, and you're, uh, you know, I mean, the sure Red Sox your Red Sox are, are, are pure. The Red Sox are dirtier. They've got a temporary manager, and they pro- their first choice is clearly to hire a quarterback next year, which is really funny. But, yeah, and and yet the Astros are the ones that get all the attention. So what are you gonna do? Exactly. Uh, what's uh, what's going on with you, John? How's uh, how's the New Hampshire quarantine going? Plugging along. It's been, I'd say, since June onward. Like we up here, we crawl, we, well, we crawl, we take steps towards normalcy more and more. Um, you can move freely amongst the, is it eight, the eight New England states, if I'm counting right, you got Northern Three, Mass, Rhode Island, connect the six, I should say. Um, among the six New England states, you can move freely among, across the borders. Um, so you see traffic in and out there. Um, Actually, I went and did a brief weekend in Vermont, stayed in Montpelier this weekend just to get out, um, go stay somewhere. Um, basically, you sign a order saying you've self-quarantined for 14 days before traveling, or if you come from a county where I'm at that's got cases low enough, you don't have to quarantine. Um, so that's been – we haven't really had – haven't had a second wave up here, really. How do, they, how do they make you sign an order? Like, they stop you at the border? How does that work? 
uh, no border stop. So when you check in at the hotel, you sign gotcha. a form. Here's my info. Basically, it's contract. Sure. So basically, you you got a you got a little New England bubble going on up there. Pretty much, and everybody inside the bubble. People interacting more and more, but I would say, compared to talk, uh, keep in touch with parents and my sisters are both in Pensacola frequently, and nobody gives a shit down there. Um, well, and uh, I think I think we're paying the price in the South, or we don't care yeah. so much, maybe. But you know, we'll get into that, John. No, speaking of. Your little New England bubble reminds me of the NBA bubble as sports are coming back. That also means your chance to bet with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag is back. Major League Baseball is in full swing, and there's no shortage of waiting on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and the props for you to bet on. Uh, also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right. Where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today. Check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Speaking of sports, John, been kind of a crazy few days in the world of college football, which of course is a major focus on any podcast like ours that kind of centers around uh, an SEC school. Um, I, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts? It's we're, we should say we're recording this Monday, August 10th. It's about six fifty PM central time. As of now, the SEC has not canceled football. They're officially on a, on a 10 game schedule. Remind me, John, I think as of today, and I I'm saying I'm, I'm couching all of this because I don't think this is going to happen. But as of today, Ole Miss would be playing its original eight SEC games, plus who they had, South Carolina and Kentucky. Is that right? Yeah, and they don't even know the order or dates. They know right. the no, no schedule way. release. I know the season start date was pushed back like three weeks or a month uh, yeah. beyond Labor Day when it was originally scheduled. Um, you know, really, John, I started getting a little annoyed the last couple of days seeing the news coming out about the Big Ten potentially canceling their season. I think today maybe they said they did cancel it. It's hard to keep up with what's sourced and what's official announcements. But honestly, I wanted to record a couple of weeks ago. It's obviously been a long time since we recorded, but I, I really had a distinct feeling uh, that the season was going to be canceled altogether a while back. I know we talked about the possibility on our show back on May 19th, if not before that. Uh, I feel like whenever the MLB had that outbreak, like two games into the season, I just, I just said, there's no way that college football is going to work out. Uh, and it seems like that's the direction it's headed right now. Uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you thinking? What, what do you think is going to happen? I think with MLB, you could kind of argue it both ways. Miami had an outbreak immediately. The, the St. Louis mess where they basically had an outbreak and then they flew back down and they had another outbreak. There's really a problem. But everybody else is plugged along. Um, there's been no test in the NBA bubble. There's been no test in the NHL bubble. So you can – there is a – or no positives. I didn't say test. No positive tests in those, either of those sports that I'm aware of. Um, so it is possible to have sports with contact and people breathing on each other, touching – I mean, there I mean, has been playoff hockey now for a couple of weeks. But – Football, they're not going to do a bubble. Um, I think college, I think really, it, it's interesting. The biggest, 
all if you the tea leaves indicate the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are going to cancel or announce they're canceling football tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, August 11th. If you um, if you believe sourcing, Dan Patrick's reporting that. So that decision's been made. It was made as of the time of that of that report. It could get could get reversed or postponed. Um, I don't know why. I think it's unlikely the season happens. If I'm the SEC, I just sit back and wait. I don't see why you couldn't wait till say September 20th to cancel the season or postpone further. Let the NFL play a play a couple of weeks, see what that looks like. That's going to be your closest mimic. Um, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I'm I'm expecting it. I'm not really. I'm not devastated at all by any or really bothered at all by news. I'm more intrigued by what's going on behind the scenes. How much of this is really COVID liability? Because I don't think that picture's changed that much um, in the past three months, particularly the past month. And how much of this is um, buying time to figure out how they're going to respond to players trying to organize and all the complexities there. I mean, the whole the whole college athletic economic model could really could have some permanent damage here. Um, it's interesting. People want players to get paid, but then you got the in college football's case, the NFL's sitting here going, "You guys are paying for our minor leagues. They don't. They're not going to tap into their checkbooks." I mean, so you got um, NFL owners, not the most outstanding citizens in the world, particularly when it comes to their dollars, and then you've got the NCAA university presidents, which have their track records, and that can be really interesting. You also have colleges are going to have serious. They're going to. There's going to be a reckoning there from a funding standpoint. How much um, how much impact from COVID leads to transition and how education models work? Are we going to go virtual? Do degrees from the University of Phoenix? Does online models become more viable? There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of angles this could go that all kind of tie into it. Um, pretty far well, about. And you know, I mean, I think another thing to think about. Uh, all the stuff you said, absolutely true. I think the players organizing is a, a huge storyline here that we should talk more about. But I think a big part of why people want football back so bad from a dollars and cents perspective is a local economy, a place like Oxford, Starkville, you know, 100 other college towns across America and power five colleges that really without a fall of football, probably half the restaurants, half the hotels, if not more, you know, aren't going to be able to survive. And then, you know, so you look at forcing football back in our current reality, it's not like you're going to be able to have people in the stadium. So it's not going to help the local economies. It might help out the schools with the TV deals. But then I think the, the other side of that is the liability you're exposing yourself to if there's a class action lawsuit from the players down the road, right? Um, it's just, it's, it's almost like a no-win situation, I feel like, for a lot of schools and, and, and people are acting like, you know, the schools are being overly cautious. I just don't see a huge upside for most conferences, if not all conferences to try to force college football this fall as of right now. I don't think it, it's the more, as I said, it really, it's, this isn't going to happen. Well, what's the the, I mean, what's the best be case scenario? What's the, What's the best case scenario for the SEC? They they 
these schools make 30, 40% of what they would make in a normal season off the TV revenue. That's what I don't know. Is the schools themselves are still in big the trouble. TV revenue, ver- just- shutting it down versus the school TV versus the TV revenue. Where does that fall? I, I just don't, I'm not seeing the benefits being aligned here. The best players are going to sit out. That's already being said because they, they care more about their yep. draft stock, of course. Um, it's just, I, I know the fans want it because they're bored and they want to watch. But I think if you zoom out, I don't see who the real winners are out of a college football season right now. It just, it, there's, it's, it's too far gone, it feels like. I, I think it, there's well, way too many things going on right now. A couple angles. Let's play fan for a minute. As an Ole Miss fan, I, I only think one thing, and this is only if you have enough healthy people to, that could even potentially be accomplished, and that would be can Kiffin determine if he has a viable quarterback on the roster, whether that's Corral, Plumlee, Tisdale or anybody else that comes off the street. The rest of it, I really honestly scheme. Kiffin, we know, can scheme. They've got some people – he's got people that can scheme on the staff. The only other thing I care about is recruiting, and recruiting is all – I mean, how many high schools are going to play? It's going to be a multi-year ordeal to put this together. So – I can't I, – I mean, if they go 0-10 but figure out whether or not they have a quarter, quarterback or not, and the answer is they go 0-10 and they don't have any quarterbacks, okay. It's, it's clean the house. And, Kiffin, you got four years. We're not even paying attention to what happens. That's all that can really get accomplished. But, I mean, when's this going to come back? Are we going to have a vaccine that, it, that gets implemented, deployed, that everybody trusts? It's not like 2021's a given. I mean, this could go and – and linger. I mean, if I had to guess today, they figure out, I would say no football in 20, 21, they find, they, they have to find a way to come back in 21 or they, or there's some, or there's enough schools that can get by for a year, but two is going to be a real challenge. Um, and then it's going to take probably two or three years to normalize after that. But let me ask you this. So I was mentioning new England is, Opening uh, is opened up enough. We have fifty percent re- indoor restaurant capacity here. Um, outdoors now. This is this could this will change in the winter when it gets colder up here. But outdoor dining is uh, is viable. Um, here we it's summer. You can go to the ocean. You can go to the mountains. You can go do whatever. You can move between states. You've got. Um, you've got restrictions, but you have enough options in front of you to where you can live and get out and find things to do. Um, so I, I have enough stuff to do. I don't miss, I really don't miss sport sports that much. I mean, I mean, NBA, if the NBA, MLB, NHL, they get interesting. Sure. But it's not really a big deal for my schedule, but down in Houston, I mean, you guys have been, through a couple ways. I haven't exactly tracked if you're still going up or down right now, but how, how locked down have you been? Has it been we're back locked down because we have another wave or everybody just saying, screw it. YOLO. What's the, what's the feeling? It's hard. It's hard to know exactly what everybody's doing. Right. So the, the bars are closed. Of course, that's contingent on a lot of different things because a lot of places that, people would go to to hang out and drink and therefore you know be posing the same risk as a quote-unquote bar or also restaurants you can they have patios so those you know there's there's some sort of a 50 percent rule or something about where your revenue comes from my point is 
it's not like people can't go out and, and drink and there's even, you know, we watch sports at bars, all that kind of stuff. It's just like nightclubs are closed pure like places people would go like on a friday night just just on a friday night you'd never go any other time you know that stuff is closed um the restaurants are are, are open yeah Yeah, there's outdoor dining i mean there's indoor dining with reduced capacity i've seen some restaurants uh that seem pretty full um which i mean is good for the restaurants but maybe not good for the spread you were talking about like you know what are the rates like here i think there was a big um there was obviously a big spike um, as you were referencing, and that kind of got a lot of people to take it more seriously, start being better about locking down. And it took about a month or six weeks, but eventually the, the numbers did start going back down as far as ICU capacity, that kind of stuff. Um, but it did, you know, I do think it takes, this is something that I think is going to happen over and over, um, is, is things get bad, at least until there's a treatment or a vaccine, right? things get bad people get scared they take corrective action and you know, a month or two later they start going a little bit back to normal um but you know i think there's there's positives as well to the way houston's reacting like you know i've talked to people that have said that they see people in public without mask on you really don't see that at all here compliance is pretty much 100 percent when it comes mm-hmm. to stores or restaurants picking up food that kind of stuff i mean the only time you ever see them without a mask would be like exercising outside um, yeah. you know, and I'll like, I'll go running. I don't wear a mask when I do that. You just, you know, go make a wide berth around anybody, keep the six feet, et cetera. So yeah. I think things could be worse here for sure. As far as the way people are handling it. But I also don't see like a clear path to normalcy. It's, it's not like we have it under control by any means. The numbers are still bad. Um, but I think that's the way it is in, in a lot of hotspots. I don't know about somewhere like New York, which is like probably the worst hotspot that we will have in this country. I'm not sure if things are different there as far as taking actions to avoid sliding back to that level as things reopen. I just, I feel like here we'll keep going through the same waves and the same cycles. Uh, and really things didn't fully close back down, right? A lot of things that were closed in March and April, I feel like are back open again, like retail, for instance, yeah. um, non-essential stuff like that. I mean, everybody I know is working from home still that can, um, my whole company, of course, is working from home. Um, so that's, that's kind of the new normal. I feel like that's the new normal in pretty much every major city. That may be part of my thinking. I, I go into the office every day. Now oh, we really? have a, we have a very large facility. Um, I manage a warehouse team that's there every day. That the only function we have that has to be there to, to pick, pack and ship. So going in, walking around, interacting with them is important. And there's, we've got about 80 people in the office and there's about 10 or 12 of us that come in coming regularly. Now we've got 10 people over 30,000 square feet. I mean, so we're, we're distant and case counts been low here, but so that for, for me has been a, it's been a routine. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, may not be the best person to comment cause I've still got that going. I worked from home for about three weeks in a row and that was, for me, it was fine. You get some ways you get more stuff done. There's some things you miss out on. Um, I'm downtown. I can go walk around downtown three times a day just to get out and see people interact. It's a, it's a little different for everybody, but. Yeah. I mean, working from home is not the worst thing in the world. Obviously there are lots of people that are unemployed right now. Lots of people that their jobs will never let them work from home. Right. It's kind of a luxury of being in a, a white collar yeah. industry. Um, but that being said, I think it definitely has its downsides. Um, you know, I feel like me personally, I spend 
six, seven hours sometimes a day in meetings. Uh, and then when that's over, you know, you're like, well, I didn't really have time to get any work done. You end up doing three, four hours of work yeah. uh, that you would have been doing in, in the office because a conversation that would take five minutes has to be a 30 minute Zoom meeting now, et cetera. There's a lot of inefficiencies with it for sure. But upsides too, you know, I, I can, I don't have to commute. I can you know, save money for sure. Eat a lot more meals uh, at home than, than I would be if I was in the office. Gas, you know, I'm, I'm barely driving now. Um, so there, there's, there's positives too, but it's just, I think the worst part of it is probably just the sameness. I mean, there really nothing breaks up the days. And even if I was going into the office, that would be part of it because it's, it's so hard right now to do things like take, you know, vacations that you've planned at our age. It's a great time for us to be traveling outside the country, right? Yeah. You know, no kids, nothing to kind of keep us from doing that. And we're just like losing a year yeah. or more of our of our kind of middle youth here are i don't know what age what age are we john are are not middle age what's under middle middle age as far as um, time in your life we're i guess we're in the yep young phase. yeah young professionals we're just we're, we're just losing a year of that time yeah um so yeah it's weird it's, it's whatever, just a whatever weird time post college pre pre-kid phase yeah it's just I, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm sure we talked about it last time we talked, although then it was two months in now we're four months in. Um, it, I just think this is going to have such like long generational effects um, that, I mean, like, honestly, I think we'll probably see people just like in, in Asian countries, you know, yep. or this after SARS and whatever else, it was common to see people in public wearing masks and stores wearing masks. I think that's probably going to be common here. Like the rest that's of common. our lives. Bu buffets are gone for sure. Um, I mean, I, I mean, downtowns in general, I think are in big trouble. I think this has kind of exposed the fact that there's no real requirement for companies to keep big corporate office space that they have to have yep. all their employees. Commercial, in. commercial yeah. real estate's going to change dramatically. And, and you, when you think about the fact that all of those things are so leveraged, what does that do to the economy as a whole if the commercial real estate owners can't pay off their loans that they built the skyscrapers and et cetera? Uh, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be rough. It'll be, it'll be interesting to it's say. Like it's rough think. right now. I feel like we're forgetting because there's so much else going on how many people are just like truly in, in peril right now. You know, it, it, one, one thing that's that's – I mean, you have to think about it. It's not immediately available. It's not immediately played out on the surface is uh, the inequality gap is getting much larger as a result of this. Because, I mean, when the, when the economy is doing good, high tide raises all boats. Now there's – some are still floating. Some are, some are beached at this point and not in a good way. Um, yet, which is the, kind of the opposite effect of what we're seeing of the, all the, of the social – uh, outcry we've seen from society since uh, we have not recorded since the George Floyd um, right. debacle uh, tragedy in Minneapolis, which is right. well, that was two as 10, 12 weeks ago. Um, and we're still seeing Chicago had, had to take action last night. Um, not saying one taking this position one way, one side or the other on that, just they, that that's, that's happening in cities. Well, and I mean, everything going on, it's, it's, it's not just the things that are out of control, like not just the random occurrences like COVID, right. We're also happen to be in this monumental election year, uh, yep. where you have Donald Trump who is, you know, 
himself and uh, carries all of that baggage with him going up against Joe Biden, who is kind of the uh, the absentee candidate, and it's kind of working out for him right now. He's, I think he's, I don't think I, I can't really find anybody that uh, does that thinks he's is really is confident is confident that he's mentally fit to go do the job for four years. Well, um, I mean, I feel bad. But for what are you comparing Biden. him? What are you comparing him against? Do you think Trump is mentally competent and fit to do his job? I, I, mean, I, I think that's what it comes down I to. I personally, November. the 2016 election, I was like, this is gonna, this is an all-time bottom in many respects. I think 20s redefining that. Um, we're really in a. We, I don't know. We, I, I think I think a lot of time. But what gets me is what. Well, what I don't understand is why can't we find somebody that's 55 years old? And what I really mean, and what I, and the reason I pick 55, somebody that's been out of school for a little over 30 years, they've got experience, but they're still, um, they're still going to be cognitively sharp. Well, I think um, we talked about this have before energy. too, John. Where the is problem? Every, everybody running. Well, I'm just saying the here. problem. The problem is that our parties for the most part donald trump obviously kind of broke the mold as far as waiting your term but it's all about kind of the the handing down of power i mean that's why the the house and the senate have these octogenarian leaders that's Mm -hmm. why joe biden's the nominee and not you know pete Buttigieg, kamala harris bernie sanders is a different a different case but the same thing really he's he's old but the reason he was not the nominee yeah. was because the party apparatus went into motion before Super Tuesday and said, mm-hmm. we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that the nomination doesn't go to the outsider. The nomination goes to the person that we think yeah. is next in line. And, and like I said, Trump might not – Trump obviously has a lot of problems. That might not mm-hmm. be the problem with Trump, that he's you know a product of his party, although his party is now becoming kind of the product of him. We'll see how that plays out in the next 10 or 20 years. Um, yep. You know, what kind of impact does Trump have on the Republican Party moving forward? Uh, but I think that's the real problem. I, I mean, going back to your earlier point, is, is Biden Trump worse than Biden Hillary Clinton? I mean, I think Biden has a lot less negative baggage attached to him from the last 30 years of his career. I think he really was a fairly popular vice president, and that's about it, whereas Hillary Clinton was kind of a a boogeyman yep. for a lot of people for a long time. And so I think that made that election uniquely positioned for low voter, voter turnout and for Trump to win with, I mean, he has a very enthusiastic base, but they were far from, you know, an overwhelming majority mm-hmm. of the country. Um, I, I think what we're seeing right now in the polls, and obviously the polls have been discredited after what happened in 2016, but what we're seeing right now is just the fact that Trump is on the ballot and people aren't that concerned with Biden. They really are just tired of, of Trump. And COVID might be the last straw, right? As far as, you know, what is going to put you over the top of, I just got to get rid of this guy. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm not super concerned about Biden. Yeah, I don't. I wish that, like, as someone that wants Trump to not be president, I didn't have to pick Biden as the alternative. But I also don't think that Biden, who sure is kind of like an, an old man that's not super in touch with what's going on, I don't think he's going to necessarily get us in a lot of big, a lot of big problems or situations in the in the world. And also, even if you're a big Trump guy, I think it's uh, it's it's not being realistic to look at his record over four years and be like, "Wow, this guy is really making things better for me or for anyone." Unless you know you're really passionate about the tax cuts or something. I I think it's tax cuts. I think it's Supreme Court justices like that. Trump can hang his hat on those. 
if that's, if those don't speak to you and obviously I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was a big beneficiary of the tax cuts and I don't like the Supreme court justices that he appointed. I don't really know why you would vote for Trump. And those are really the only things that I think Trump can point to. Everything else has, has pretty much been a disaster. He has absolutely no platform or nonetheless interest in a platform going forward either. Other than, you know, I mean, he's, he's really turned into, he's even more of a self-centered ego, another level of a self-centered egomaniac than he was four years ago. Um, yeah, well, because he spent four years just only thinking about his presidency and its perception in the news media, and that's just become like a, a loop yeah. in his head, it feels like. where In 16, it was – it's an outsider. Hillary represents the establishment. We had Bush. We had Obama. Middle class, what really changed? Uh, we didn't feel anything. We went through financial crisis. Let's shake it up. Trump's got some baggage. Hillary's got some baggage. But I, I thought a differentiator for a number of swing voters was Trump put his kid, put his family, his kid, kids out there who at least first now Kushner, I get it. I mean, Kushner's dirty, but at least at first order can present themselves and appear to be fair, you know, first order reasonably well put together. He's done none of that. I mean, Ivanka might as well be dead. Well, I, I think also Trump ran on a lot of it, it, it just like Obama ran on feelings yeah. and on yeah. very vague ideas mm -hmm. like hope and change. I mean, I think yeah. Trump ran a similar campaign in 2016 yeah. um, where it was really just about, you know, what he made his voters feel deep down. And I don't think he's doing a good job of doing that again. Nope. Um, I think he's just as angry, if not angrier. Uh, but I, I see, here's the problem, John, you can't run on keep on make America great or run on fix the broken system when you're the incumbent. It just, the message doesn't work because you're basically saying like, we got to change everything that's been going on for the last four years, which people don't really realize. Keep America great. And it's a total mess, right? But, now. but still what I'm saying is his tone is still. Yeah. America is broken and evil in the deep state and you have to reelect me so I can fix it. But it was like, well, did you fix it in the last four years? I just think it's hard for disaffected voters to really buy into that a second time. It works when you're the outsider, but when you're the insider incumbent, I think it isn't the same message. It's not going to work the same way. Yeah. If you, um, if Biden wins, who do you think's really calling the shots? Right. How yeah. No, how, I mean, how, not who. Maybe it's not a single person. How are the shots sure. being called in a Biden presidency? I mean, I think it's I think it's the centrist and left wing kind of think tank type people mm -hmm. like uh, Center for American Progress. I'm sure there'll be a lot of business interest involved. Um, I think those are the people that are really calling the shots. I, I, I assume that any type of influence by the, the Bernie block of the party that mm -hmm. might be kind of hinted at to make sure that they go out and vote in November. I, I doubt that'll kind of translate it into any real policy. I think it'll probably be a time assuming that the Democrats hold the house representatives, not sure what's going to happen with the Senate. It would be kind of crazy if the Democrats take control of the Senate. Hey, but the Tommy, way the polls Tom, are, Tommy, Tommy Tuberville is going to change the Senate. Don't worry. The way the polls are right now, it seems possible. So if the Democrats go back to having a supermajority for at least two years that they did in the first years of Obama's presidency. I think the majority of leadership or policy will definitely be coming from the legislative side. I don't think that it's going to be 
you know, Biden out on the stump making bold policy speeches and leading the way. I think there will definitely be people like you're talking about in the White House that are have outside influ- ex- excised influence, I think is what I'm trying to say, uh, mm-hmm. and, and kind of calling the shots behind the scene. But John, you know, all of this is, uh, is, is interesting. I bet there is a site where you could bet on some of these political things. That would be mm-hmm. betonline.ag. As I mentioned earlier in the show, our exclusive wagering partner, I've already hit all the talking points for you guys. So just go back and listen to that. If you're interested, you know, we talked about Floyd Money Mayweather's uh, segment called the ice is right. Pretty exciting. MLB didn't mention any NBA bubble action, but I'm sure that's, there's plenty of that for you there. Uh, Yeah. Betonline.ag. Check them out. Another sponsor I wanted to uh, shout out for you, John, back on the show. We talked about them months and months ago uh that is our friends at manscape so you know 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of our control as we've been talking about on this episode so far but there is one thing you can control and that is uh shaving your bush is what it says john that's kind of um you know colorful language i guess but our sponsors at manscape here to remind you to do so uh, you know, talk about a funny manscaping story. You know, I don't think I have any of those, John. I don't know if you if you want to chime in there, but I think we can all imagine what a funny manscaping story might kind of consist of, right? And that's not what you want. You know, you want something that is going to give you the control and the safety that you need when you're taking care of that sort of business. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer designed to give you the confidence boost through your body image and improving that the ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellows down low. Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof comes with an led light. So you can manscape in the shower in the dark or in a dark shower. It's exciting. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, the perfect add on to their lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the Shears 2.0 luxury four piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, including tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Sheer Super Nail Kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows, trim your nails in style while still maintaining that manliness, of course. Uh, head on over to the website. You'll also find the crop preserver, anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer for uh, your delicate areas. It's going to help you tame that uh, summer swamp ass with natural hydrators, antioxidants. You know, right now, going outside is one of the only things we're allowed to do. So you want to make sure you yep. keep that, that swamp ass under control. Also, check out the Crop Reviver, a testy toner like having cologne that is also designed for your balls. We won't judge you if we catch you sniffing yourself. Go to manscaped.com, check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners listeners of this show, lucky you, listening to this, I know you've been enjoying it. We're going to get 20% off and free shipping. All you got to do, use our code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off of free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code armchair, all one word. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns. Start shaving that front trunk. Oh, that was fun, John. I'm so glad we're back to uh, do things like that. And really enjoy doing that for three months. Yeah, we've missed out. We've missed out. We, we could have been debasing ourselves uh, in that way for, for so much longer here. I mean, so, John, we've touched on college football, of course. I think there'll be more to say on that. Here moving forward, it's a really tough time for colleges. I think we talked about that probably last time we talked as well. Um, but the things that have been happening since we last recorded the show, NBA very successfully 
having a bubble version of their sport. It took a while. I think it was first talked about back in April from podcasts I was, I was listening to earlier. It took until July 31st, I think, to play the first real non-preseason game in the bubble. Uh, but so far, I, I don't know how much you've been following it. Outside of the fact that players and coaches have to live at a Disney World resort without their families, which is kind of bleak. Outside of that, it's it's been highly successful. Um, and, and they, along with the, the soccer leagues, I feel like, whether it's overseas or the MLS here and the, um, the women's league here as well, they've kind of set the standard for how you can play sports uh, without risking you know, entire teams going down for COVID, which I think that's going to be the problem when the NFL comes back. Uh, you know, They're going to play because the money is there, but what's yeah. going to happen when there's an outbreak and your entire offensive line is out? Are, are they just going to have huge practice squads where they can bring people in like the MLB is doing now with taxi squads? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what is the NFL? Are there any options? Or are we just going to – I mean, I think there could be – this is what would happen if they played college as well. I think entire games would just have to get canceled, just like the Cardinals right now have had like four or five games canceled in a row. That seems like it's going to be inevitable um, the way this disease spreads in close contact. And you got – 50 guys on a football roster plus all the support staff and they're not all in one location they're traveling there's just so many variables i don't know how this is going to work out for the nfl it'll be interesting um i think they'll get started are they going to find a way to finish i don't know um now if there was ever a league that would say you know what we're just going to play every other week or something crazy like that they could probably move to a model um I've watched – I've been slow to get back into most sports, um, the NBA, and the NBA. But I will say I, I was – at first I was critical of, you know, this whole eight-game regular season run, the way they manipulated it, try to get Zion in the playoffs. I was like, this is, this is cheesy. But I think it's let teams actually get back play, um, kind of adapt to how I view. I am kind of starting to look forward to the playoffs. I guess the playoffs start here. When do they start in the NBA? Is it this weekend? Maybe I think they're they're getting close to being done with the uh, with the with the regular season portion here, and go see what happens. Um, it'll be something to kind of get into and follow. Hockey's been slow too. They've got their bubbles. If they have these qualifier playoff type series that I don't know that are coming along, I don't know. I'm easing my way into it. Um, Baseball without fans is just kind of weird, and and it's it was they were on a sour foot with everybody to begin with because of how terrible the negotiation went between the players' association. And yeah, the baseball without fans is is definitely weird. Um, I think the NBA product, if you watch any games, it's actually a really good product for TV. It's it's actually really nice. I would agree. I think it's played out. It's yeah, worked out well. They can do angles. interaction. Yeah, you have the, the virtual fans, I think, are a super cool, interesting touch. Um, yep. And then uh, I think it also helps that basketball already had things like in-game music that played. I think yep. it kind of fits more with uh, what you would expect to see in a basketball game on TV. Uh, and, and also it probably helps that they're only playing the last, you know, eighth of a season or whatever, a tenth of it, whatever it is, plus the playoffs. So I think the energy level – uh, is really good. And I think you're seeing a lot of really close competitive games, plus the fact that in the bubble, you know, it's not just every team. It's the teams that were, you know, conceivably close to the playoffs. So I think that's yeah. – it's had a playoff atmosphere, which helps as well. 
Yeah, and for this, this could be a this this feels like a weird statement. It almost feels like the miss the fans being absent from the arena impacts basketball the least. Um, hockey, be playoff hockey, the crowd is a big factor. Um, getting in the goalie's head. I think NBA players it doesn't really. I mean, occasionally you see it impact like free throws, but it's not that big a deal. The way they go down and run, uh, it impacts baseball too because you. Um, it's baseball yeah. is a lot more boring. Yeah. I think. I think to your point, the NBA product as it was evolving translates much cleaner to um, this environment. And credit to and and really, you, and you look at how you know baseball's played out. You look at. Um, the NBA had pro- had the most insight into what was going on in China than any other league. The way they shut down the eleventh, based on their relationships there, and what then they've been the they've been the biggest sticklers to say we're going to go we're going to go quarantine in a bubble. This is what we're doing. The NHLs had had success doing a similar model up in Canada. I think the NH- most underrated decision by the NHL is to go let's go quarantine and let's go to a country that's not having an election this year. That's beneficial to them from a PR standpoint where Canada is going to do everything it can to help hockey get through the season. Um, oh yeah. Canada and hockey. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think obviously there are players in the NBA that feed off of the crowd. Um, yeah. But I think even more than that players in the NBA feed off of competing with other players in the NBA. Yeah. It's very much a personality driven league and it's very much, uh, about the big personalities in every game facing off against each other. I think that brings them a lot of the, the energy they show on the court. And then I think you yeah. have young guys that are able to play better than they maybe would if there was a, a crowd there that was kind of making it even uh, more of a high-pressure situation. Um, I, I mean, on that same note, I, it's hard for me to imagine an NFL game with an empty stadium. It seems like it would be pretty boring, honestly, but, you know, you get a guy like Tom Brady on the Bucks and that competitive edge, and, you know, it, it, it's a personality-driven league as well. So maybe, maybe they can create some of that energy um, in, in those empty stadiums, but it seems like it's going to be kind of like watching baseball, just kind of weird I and know, obvious. Well, I think it depends. If, if you're watching Red Zone where you're watching two to four games and you're kind of tracking a fantasy team, if you're going from clip to clip to clip versus watching a game where you've got – Run, run on first down at second at seven. They huddle to say they're backed up against their own end zone on the road. You got the crowd hitting shots. Watch individual games going to be, I would think, be more boring. For sure. If you're bouncing around, you're not going to see as much of an impact. Yeah, I think red zone and fantasy, this is – assuming the season doesn't end after like two weeks, like this is going to be – there's going to be so much interest in fantasy this year. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be – one of the biggest, I mean, if not the biggest season ever for, because people are just so starved for sports now. They're really starved for football as well. I mean, let's look at it. It's, it's what, it's August 10th. We'd be talking about spring camp right now if, if the college football season was happening. You know, it would have it started a week ago. Um, and yeah. football still feels like it's a long way off. And in the, in the case of college football, it feels like it's not going to happen at all. So um, it's, it's just, it's a really weird year for sports. The baseball season um, honestly, I, I hate a lot of the things that are going on this year. The runner on second base and extra innings is just, I think it's horrible. I understand from an outside perspective, you know, we want more offense, um, you know, extra innings are boring, et cetera. I just, I think it completely runs counter to what the game is about. 
Um, I, I like it in the regular season. I, I think it ruins it ruins what makes baseball a beautiful game, which is the fact yeah. that there are no shortcuts. Now it's just completely out the door. Um, I'm fine with some of the other changes. You know, universal DH doesn't bother me. Um, same with kind of the pitching changes, making pitchers see more batters, stuff like that. Okay, that's you know you can work that. That's fine. That's fair. It's weird. I, you know, I, I'm gonna hip, be a hypocrite. I like adding the runner on second and extra because I feel like you've had nine innings to figure to score and differentiate, do it by then. On the flip side, this comes from our college days of watching these seven-inning doubleheaders on Sundays, SEC play. Seven-inning games are not baseball because it totally alters the way you manage. And that's how that's how it feels to me when I've and I've been watching the Astros um, a good bit, and they've been in more extra-inning games than anybody. And these games are just. It's brutal to watch. It just doesn't feel like you're watching extra inning baseball. It's completely different. I just I, I'm not a fan um, of that rule change, especially. Uh, other than that, the idea of a 60 game season is is just kind of insane for baseball. Again, it's not really. I, I'd rather they baseball. call it a tie after nine innings than do actually. You know, if I really that, had that would be interesting. Go to I like a soccer the, system. I think, I think the you could have a. You could do a three one zero, or hockey does a two. Is it two one zero in hockey? Whatever. Yeah, yeah and and in soccer, and it was three one zero normally, right? You know, they don't even do points in baseball. Just do it straight off record. You play so many yeah. games. No, I think uh, that would be interesting because also I think that gives the away team more of a a win condition. If you know you're you're tied going into the bottom of the ninth, and you get away with the tie, that that's more exciting to me. Than, than going into extra innings with this bastardized version of, of what baseball is, which is starting out with a runner on yep. second, just random. And, and roster sizes are really, I guess where I'm going, roster sizes are tailored, particularly you know, pitching staffs to nine innings. Shorter games, shorter games, it doesn't work, and how long people starters last. Longer you start depleting staffs, people don't want to be there that long. Yeah. And, yeah, I, yeah, I just – I just think it's it's it's. I mean, it's got to be the weirdest MLB season on on record. I'm not a baseball historian. I don't know what happened in 1918 or whatever. But in our lifetimes, I feel like this is just the. I I just hope that after the season's over, assuming there's a return to normalcy and a vaccine and all, I hope that we go back to the way Major League Baseball was and don't keep too many of these changes. I think the Universal DH is here to stay. Um, yeah. I think with these mega contracts. Um, the, the clubs that are signing guys like Mookie Betts and Bryce Harper to deals until they're 38 or 40 or whatever, you know, they're going to demand the universal DH stays. But outside of that, I, I don't like changing the fundamental way. I mean, 162 game season is there for a reason. Extra innings work the way they work for a reason. The roster sizes work the way they work for a reason. These are things that were honed over hundreds of years, almost at this point through major league baseball. So you know, I hope it's a one-off, but it's just it's weird to watch right now. I, I don't like the fact that we had to change rules apparently to get back to playing. Yeah, it's it's odd across the board. Baseball's baseball's got a. I mean, what's baseball going to be in ten years? Because they're they're a, they're a fan demographics not in a good spot. Um, football's got its base. Even they're eventually gonna have to start addressing stuff, but fantasy is enough of a draw to keep it there. NBA's gone shifted younger, arguing they're ahead of the curve, and hockey's a niche, so it can kind of stay that way. 
Um, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, this, this, this pandemic is a big time for, for esports, right? They've, they've largely been able to go on. They had to change their format, obviously from in-person tournaments, but they've had the yep. advantage of being able to, you know, people can play from wherever they are. They can play while they're quarantined, et cetera. So I think yep. it'll be interesting to see, obviously, you know, NASCAR was one of the first sports back. Another, another thing, another kind of non-traditional sport that was able to uh, golf is on all the time now when I see that. Yep. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if this decreases the traditional team sports um, or if it's a one-off and it goes back to normal in the future. It's, I really have no idea what's going to happen two months from now, much less, you know, two years from now. So it's, it's hard to know what the, the long, longer term impacts of, of all this are going to be on the sports we're talking about. Yeah. But all that to say, bringing, coming back to what we talked about in the beginning of the show, it, it seems like missing a season of college football is going to be devastating for a lot of the sport. I mean, we talked about it a long time ago, but are, are we done seeing non-conference cupcake games? I mean, is, is Jackson State going to have a football program next year? You know, is, is Jacksonville State going to have a football program? You know, who are the, some of the other – Sela? Like these, these schools, they, they, I would they, imagine they're going to want to come back and play the same number of games. More conference games would be – those would be better products for – for, um, Well, I'm just – I mean, television. realistically, how many of the, of the FCS and the non-Power 5 programs are going to survive even one season without playing their money games, without having ticket sales? You know, yep. I, I think it's a realistic question, and we'll see. I – I think beyond that, I think how many colleges are going to fold up all together um, because who's going to pay the same amount of tuition for online education? And outside yep. of cutting the pay of your professors, um, you're not really going to be able to offer the product that you have to offer over Zoom uh, unless you have the same number of students enrolled, right? Like colleges need that enrollment money for, I mean, of course there are Harvard's and other schools that have these massive endowments that they can survive five years off of probably if they had to. But for a lot of colleges across the country, they need that enrollment every year or else they're going to be massive fundamental changes to what they can offer as far as classes yeah. and professors on salary, that kind of stuff. Um, and also all the other people that work at a school as well, right? And then what does that do to the economy of a place like Oxford? It's just, there, there's going to be devastating ripple effects and so many different parts of our society. And I think colleges and college towns are maybe in, in a, such a precarious spot right now. It's, uh, it's a little disheartening to see. I mean, especially as people that went to this school and this little quaint town with the great restaurants and all that, I, I don't know what Oxford is going to look like, um, you know, come baseball season. Still know. It's a very good question. Um, who knows? It's all, I think it could cut eventually a chunk of it comes a good, most of it comes back. I'd say in five years. Yeah. It's not longer. I, I think that you might be right about that, but I think the immediate, the near term is bleak and you might, there might yep. be restaurants that, that are beloved right now that don't exist again, that, that don't ever come back. Yeah. And et cetera. Yeah. It's tough. I don't know. Well, we'll see. I mean, I guess, uh, I guess this this, this winter is going to be brutal on restaurants because, oh, yeah. um, especially th thinking about up here, 
you're going to get to a point where you, you're not going to do outdoor dining from November 15th on here anymore. It's not going to be a good situation, but yeah, we'll see. No, it's, I, I think, again, there's so many unknowns at every level right now. Um, I don't know. Just like it's unknown when the next time we'll record a podcast is. There's no way that we could ever know these things. Uh, we can't be expected to know them, I think, John. I think last time we recorded, we were like, yeah, two weeks in a row. We'll get back into doing this now. And then, you know, time is just uh, very fluid right now. It's It's hard to know if it's been a month or three months or a week it's it's all kind of running together but i guess for you i i don't know it's i haven't talked to a lot of people that are going into the office so how how normal does it feel uh your your day-to-day life how 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 often are you reminded that that everything is different as far as living in a pandemic oh pretty pretty much pretty empty office building um we haven't had I, it's funny. I've got some departments. I, I'm a mix. I've got a department that everybody's in, and I've got a department where everybody's out. Hmm. And the out portions, well, we've kind of talked on the phone multiple times a week and right. take care of, and everybody. I don't know. It's interesting. A lot of uh, a lot of good news on the podcast today. A lot of positive, happy, warm feelings. Um, would you say generally, and from a Houston standpoint, things have generally trended more towards normal since this started, or did you guys hit a hit any kind of roadblock the past sixty days to where it kind of stalled? What you mean? Uh, just the just just from a do you feel like things are getting things are getting more normal? Do you or do well, you, uh, you know, more stir crazy from this? Really, is, Houston did really well in the beginning. Um, yeah. And March and April and May, even, uh, it seemed like, you know, people were saying maybe the warm weather kills the virus, yeah. et cetera. Um, and, and I don't really know what to attribute that to. Some people say, you know, if they hadn't canceled the rodeo, things would have been different. I think a lot of people think that the, the hotspot in New Orleans several months ago maybe had something to do with Mardi Gras and the timing of mm-hmm. that and the fact that a lot of people traveling from outside of the city and, mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. So I don't know why, but things were pretty good at first. Um, I think, of course, things started to get back to normal. I said retail reopened, restaurants reopened. I mean, restaurants were closed here um, almost entirely. Some takeout places stayed open, some didn't. Uh, but mm-hmm. some started reopening for uh, for um, dine-in, et cetera. And then about, like I said, six weeks ago, things started to get really bad again. The ICUs were all full. Um, you know, I know people through work that have been sick. I have a coworker who was tested positive. His mom tested positive. Um, you know, I think you hear about, I mean, Angie has coworkers, of course, at the hospital that tested positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear about uh, just a lot of normal people. I think there've been some scary cases, uh, you know, not just the older population you would expect, but people in their thirties and forties that I've either died from the virus or maybe had like lifelong complications coming out of it, you know, had to be ventilated, et cetera. So that was really the first aberration was after about a month of reopening stuff when things really got bad and a lot of things shut back down again. And like I said earlier, I think we're trending back towards normalcy now. I just wonder why is it not going to happen in the same way again? You know, I think people are being better about wearing 
masks and grocery stores, stuff like that. So I, maybe that helps. Um, and I think people are going to stay working from home when they can in, in industries here. I just find it hard to believe that things are going to be so different in two months when we're, you know, down the path of reopening everything again. I just, I don't know what's going to change. But the other thing about this is there's so many unknowns, you know, there's, there's the people think they're, I'm not saying multiple strains of the virus, but I think there's something about there's, there's a comorbidity or something. And this is coming from, you know, conversations with a lot of doctors here in Houston. There's something about the patient population that is really affected by it at all ages that we don't know what it is yet. We don't know what those people all have in common. And, you know, mm-hmm. year, five years, we'll understand why it happened, why people were affected differently. Um, or maybe even if there is multiple strains, although I, I don't necessarily know if that's the case, but I think there's so many unknowns right now because we're still in the thick of it that, uh, things could get a lot worse. Things could get a lot better. And, and if you told me either way, things could stay the same until there's a vaccine. I, I wouldn't necessarily be like, Oh, that's crazy. I just, I, I think right now everyone's kind of in wait and see mode and just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember a time of this much unknown as far as like what we all agree on as the truth and kind of what's going to happen in the future. I feel like it's completely open-ended right now, which is a weird feeling. Yeah. I think the next big, the next big hurdle to get through is going to be holiday season, Thanksgiving travel, Christmas travel. I know I'm kind of, kind of asking what that's going to look like. Typically I go back to Pensacola. Do I want to, do I want to fly? Do I want to fly, drive, depending on what the things play out? How far is that? How far is that drive? Uh, 22 hours. Oof. That's tough. So it's an overnight stay somewhere. Right. And you got to think about that. I have, well. flown, I have flown a couple of times for mm-hmm. uh, work related during the pandemic. And yeah, I was just talking to somebody who went, course, home, but, uh, went home to Denmark a couple of months yeah. ago and he said there were 40 people on his flight to London, uh, which is crazy. You know, those planes hold <laughs> hundreds of people. It's just, yep. yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. There's a lot. The holidays are going to be weird. I mean, not so much for me personally, because right now we're already kind of not expecting to travel during the holidays for this time in our lives because, you know, Angie's a second year resident. She had yep. to work last year on Christmas Day. You know, we don't have time off necessarily like carved out around the holidays. So for mm-hmm. us, we're already kind of expecting this, but obviously for a lot of people, there's going to be big decisions around. You know, yeah. I think people will probably just stay put for the most part. Yeah, but I think it'll I be know. a lot. I also of have no idea when we're going to have a vaccine or a treatment. I know a lot of people are saying that Trump is trying to rush something through ahead of the election. I don't think it's going to work out because there's so many systems in place around vaccine trials. I'll be. I have very low confidence in the first vaccines that come out in terms of effectiveness. I think um, I, I'm pretty confident. I'll say I'll put it this way: I'm pretty confident in three to five years we'll have studies that say the first vaccines really didn't do much for the perspective yeah, so maybe maybe our i don't know i think a lot of people just because they have nothing else to uh to kind of hope for a lot of people are just saying well maybe there'll be a vaccine blah blah um yep. you know i i don't I, I don't buy into uh we haven't talked about this at all but uh a a bit character on our show something we've talked about before old mr porter 
Neil McCready uh, has completely gone off the deep end during all of this and become hardcore COVID truther. But one of the things that he likes to say on Twitter uh, or on his website is that, you know, right after the election, this will all go away, assuming Joe Biden is elected. I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. You can talk about how it's politicized either way. Um, I, I think Joe Biden wins the election. I don't think Democrats are going back to work, eating in restaurants, going out to bars and stuff. I think people are scared on both sides, especially people with elderly family. But also, I mean, honestly, John, the more time goes on, the more I personally am afraid to contract the viruses. I feel like we're hearing more and more about the side effects. We don't know what the side effects are going to be. Even if you recover, it can be a really bad time. I mean, I just... I'm not one of those people, I guess I'm saying, that is like, well, I'm not in the age group that's likely to die, so I'm not worried about it. I, I still think it has uh, a lot of things I don't want to know anything about as far as the unknowns. And um, it's, it's not something that I think is to be taken lightly, regardless of who the president is, I guess I'll say. Yeah. I'll say, am I personally, am I living alone? At 28 fearful of the virus no um the bigger headache if i were to test positive would be the fact that it's a positive test and quarantining when you clear to interact with people again how does that all play out because there's so many um, unknowns um different people going to react in different ways i don't think there's a clear right or wrong answer to how how much to lock down how much to not um I think there's multiple varying levels that have that are arguments, perspectives have validity. Um, also depends on how diligent people are as well during their actions. It's just, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I will be curious to see if there is a difference in how, how, um, how, uh, how is the virus presented? Um, how are people's reactions, feelings from November 4th onward? Um, I think it's possible there's a notable we, we see some some noticeable differences there maybe maybe not really from a case or a, uh, from a positive positive case rate or from a death rate perspective but maybe does it go for more um, does it become more matter of fact on here's what you do here's you know one step at a time towards the future I don't know well I mean I don't I I don't know what they're thinking, but I know if I was running against Trump, I would have a platform that it consisted of all the things that he's notably not had, like a national testing strategy, stuff like that, yeah. funding for contact tracing. So, you know, we'll see if, if Biden wins the election, if that's what he comes in and tries to put in place. I know that's what I would be doing. Mm -hmm. But regardless, I mean, I really think as it stands right now, Trump has put enough out there that you can just run against that. You don't really have to run on anything. Um, and, and that's kind of what's happening right now with the, the Democratic yep. super PACs outspending Trump's supporting super PACs like three to one in the last few months. I think he's just given them a lot of ammunition uh, yep. and we'll see what happens. I mean, Trump's the ultimate unknown in politics, right? I guess we can't, mm -hmm. we can't ever say what's going to happen when he's involved in something. Yep. Well, John, uh, shocking to most people I know, but we talked about the uh, global pandemic for the majority of our sports podcasts here. But I, I do think we hit on the major sports stories of the day. Um, I am looking forward to the NBA playoffs. The Houston Rockets are five and one right now in the bubble looking pretty good playing some exciting small ball basketball. Um, 
I guess I'm looking forward to the NFL. I, like I said, I have no idea what it's going to be like, but it'll be nice to have. I'm way more interested in the dynamics of can they play or not, mm. um, and like what the ratings are as opposed to the actual product on the field just because – Well, I am a pretty big fantasy guy. I do love Red Zone. So I, I, if they play the season, I will be watching that every Sunday, I'm sure. Um, no idea what a football season would look like. I mean, we'll see next time we talk if college football is, is any closer to existing, I think we're kind of both going forward with the assumption right now that the season's not going to happen in any yeah. form or fashion. I mean, the SEC is one of the – the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, I think, are kind of the lone conferences right now even trying to play anymore. And we're still a uh, month and a half out from the first yeah. scheduled game. So we'll see. But I think that's kind of the assumption right now that the season is largely off for the college football world. Yeah. That's it. Well, all right. Well, we did it, John. We, uh, we said we were going to do the podcast, and we did it. It's only been three months almost, so good for us. I think it's a, it's a great accomplishment. Hopefully, all you guys out there listening enjoyed it. Um, you know, I can't say it was a great pleasure. Uh, I mean, talking to my friend John, of course, it was really nice. Good catching up with you, John, but not a ton of good news to report, um, and, and not a lot of what this podcast was ostensibly founded to do, which is talk about, you know, what's going on with Ole Miss and the big three sports. Uh, really nothing right now. Might be a whole another year of, of nothing going on before there's anything to really talk about. If even then, you know, I think we just spent the last 20 minutes talking about, is this going to go away in a year? I have no idea. Um, but, you know, maybe we'll pivot, John. Maybe we'll start, um, you know, watching a show on Netflix or something and like discussing that every week. I don't know. I guess if you have ideas for a pivot for the show, we'll entertain them. You can uh, send them to us uh, on social media, or I think we have an email, an email address. I've never checked it, but I guess if you send something to landstrikes after dark at gmail.com, we could eventually get bored enough to check that out. Um, I don't know. Anything else you want to say to the people, John, our diligent listeners, I'm sure they're just as bored as we are. So uh, hopefully this, this was uh some break in the, the normalcy of quarantine life for you guys. Yeah, maybe we're back in a couple because the, the Democratic Convention is next week, right? Politics podcast? Well, we can roll that in. That, what's the status of the season? We can just do our, we can do our own. We can do another state of the world assessment. Yeah, sure. Why not, I guess? Nothing else going on. We could do that. Do you like my, uh, do you like my home office setup, John? You got my books up here. Got my... Yeah. Ole Miss Stadium picture behind me. We got a non-socially distanced Hemingway Stadium. Yeah, it's full full of people. It hasn't been that full in several seasons. Nothing to do with COVID. More to do with the uh, the disease of Matt Luke. Uh, we didn't talk about it, John. I don't think we have time to. But Jerry Falwell, that is a funny story that's uh, tangentially related to college football and our friend Hugh Freeze. So uh, just acknowledging that that happened in the last couple of days. That was fun. Um, there's still some some entertainment in the world, I guess, um, yep. when stuff like that happens. All right. Uh, you guys, you're going to say something, John? You just... Oh, I'm good to go. Okay. All right. I know. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, my friend, for taking the time. Uh, until next time, until we find some other topics to discuss. Thanks to all of you guys for listening. For John, I'm Justin. We'll talk to you when we talk to you.
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.